0: I want to welcome you all here uh, this morning, Um, and also I want to welcome those who are streaming online. Um, Let me just uh, begin by saying that it is uh, a real privilege uh, to be here this morning, and uh, I consider preaching not only a privilege, but an awesome responsibility. And with this responsibility comes greater accountability to God. I'm reminded of James in his letter. Under the inspiration, he reminds his readers that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So it is both a privilege and awesome responsibility uh, to bring the Word of God to you here this morning. On a personal note, it's also been a a great privilege for Ingrid and I to be a part uh, of this congregation. Um, We are grateful for your love uh, which has often been demonstrated, uh, both in words and actions. I'm thankful for Pastor Dan, who has, for many years—I think eleven years now, or maybe more—has um, faithfully served and labored in the Word of God, uh, in the Lord's Supper, and uh, in many other capacities. And as I began to study this text and think of our congregation, um. My prayer is that of John thirteen thirty five, that together as a congregation, we will abound in love toward God and also toward one another so that the world may know outside these four walls that we are Jesus' disciples and that they too may have life in His name. So with that, uh, let's open and pray together. Our dear, gracious and heavenly Father, We thank you uh, for this privilege we have to gather together and worship. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak to our hearts through your word. I pray that you would grant us eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit uh, is speaking to us through your word this morning. Father, uh, we thank you for your presence among us, and we give you all the praise and honor and glory It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Resolved, I will live so as I wish I had done when I come to die. These words were penned by 19-year-old Jonathan Edwards, who in 1722 wrote 70 guidelines which he called resolutions. In his article, The Resolutions of Jonathan Edwards, Dr. Stephen Nichols writes, that Jonathan Edwards resolved to live a life that counts, not through legalistic grit and determination, but with God's help and grace in accordance to his will. Edwards' 70 resolutions deal with various topics and themes, and one such theme is the reality of death and living before God with an eternal perspective. In his youth, Edwards knew all too well the brevity of life. His life and preaching demonstrated that he took seriously, that life is a breath, a mist, a vapor, that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And just as life in Edwards' 18th century was fragile and frail, it continues to be fragile and frail today. And one theme that Solomon has addressed in Ecclesiastes is the sober reality of death. The brevity of life is a reality that we would just as soon forget, ignore, and not talk about. In his sermon, The Bad Days Are Better, Pastor Dan spoke of how a sober look at the reality of death actually helps us to put into life, into proper perspective and order. We know that for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. We are all going to die, yet none of us know the day when death shall overtake us. And though life is a a hebel, a vapor, a mist, Scripture actually teaches us that the fleeting, transient breathiness of life can actually teach us how to live with eternity in view. In Ecclesiastes 11, uh, starting from verse 7 through to 12, from 1 to 8, Solomon deals with the reality of death and the afterlife in such a way to prepare us, I believe, for eternity. And from the context, it seems to me that the main idea of this passage and text is the call to live life in light of eternity. In our passage, there are three ways that I see where Solomon instructs us to live life in light of eternity. Number one, rejoice in life while remembering one day we will give an account to God. Number two, remove sorrow and put away evil. And three, remember your Creator in the days of your youth. To live life in light of eternity is to rejoice in life while remembering that one day we will give an account to God. Again, to live life in light of eternity is to rejoice in life while remembering that one day we will give an account to God. Chapter 11, verse 7 reads, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Each morning, I'm greeted by uh, one of our security guards. His name is Abdel Abdel. And uh, after saying good morning, Abdel is always given me the day's uh, weather forecast. And if, it, if it's cold and the sun is out, he'll always emphasize the fact that it is sunny. And I love his optimism. We were speaking about optimism the other night. And I think this optimism speaks about the joy we get from the sun. Joe and I were talking about that last Sunday, the correlation between joy and sun. And I think this correlation is actually a God-given gift. But it also gives us a sense of the poetic imagery that Solomon is using here. Just as being surrounded by the light of the sun is sweet and pleasant for the eyes, our life is intended by God to be enjoyed. Now, as we have learned to rejoice in life, Is a gift that only God can give. Enjoying life may look different to each of us, but we must keep in mind that someday we are going to give an account to God. So we need to enjoy that which glorifies Him. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. Chapter 11, verse 8 tells us that if we should live many years, we are to remember that there will be days of darkness. Now, it's not entirely clear as to what uh, is indicated by days of darkness, but from the context of the following chapter, uh, in chapter 12, verses 2 to 8, days of darkness likely speaks of when our bodies and our minds suffer in decrepit decline uh, towards aging and, and inevitable death. And in the face of such decline, if we should live many years, we are to rejoice in the gift of life that God has given us. And then we come to verse 9 and 11. It reads, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Old Testament scholar Walter Kaiser points out the sense of irony in this verse. Walk in the ways of your heart almost seems like a contradiction to Numbers 15:39 where it says you shall not follow after your heart and your own eyes. Verse 9, however, is no contradiction to Numbers 15:39. Or it's no invitation to live sinfully in sensual pleasure. It's not an invitation as to which anything goes. Enjoy life. Enjoy what you see and desire. Rejoice and delight yourself in the thrill of living. But enjoy life in the fear of God and to the glory of God. Don't abuse, in other words, this blessing, this gift, with evil comforts, pleasures, and stuff that offer no real joy and have no eternal value. Enjoy life in a way that brings glory to the one who created you, who loved you, and who gave himself for you. Each week at the courthouse, I see people come before a judge to give an account to what they have done and witnessed. And as you know, at the end of the trial, the judge will give the verdict based on the evidence that was presented before the court. And I think this is a mere shadow of the heavenly court. In the heavenly court, there will be but one judge who will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether whether good or evil. All of us are transients on this earth. And whether it be today, tomorrow, or many years from now, our lives will soon pass. There will come a time when God will bring both, as we have learned, the righteous and the wicked into judgment. And one day each of us will give an account of ourselves to God, Paul writes in Romans 14. Our life is from God and for God. So how we live on this side of eternity matters to him. David Gibson reminds us that the enjoyment is a gift from God and we're responsible to God for what we have done with it. Only what we have done for Christ and for his glory will last. To live light in light of eternity is to rejoice while remembering that one day we will give an account to God. second to live life in light of eternity is to remove sorrow and put away evil to live life in light of eternity is to remove sorrow and put away evil verse 11:10 reads remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity so first we must remove vexation which is also translated as sorrow. There is a sorrow. I just want to qualify this. There is a sorrow that is caused by depression, anxiety, suffering, or grief over the loss of a loved one. And some of you here this morning may be experiencing that kind of sorrow. And if this is you... The Bible invites you to cast your burden upon Him, for He will sustain you. Cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. I want to encourage you, if this is you, to speak with Pastor Dan or one of the leaders or a trusted, mature friend in Christ who can help bear your burden and bring your sorrow before the Lord in prayer. But the sorrow that I think Solomon is speaking of is one was one sorrows over needless frustrations and anxieties. It is the sorrow that robs us of our God-given joy in life. Youth and the prime of life are a fleeting breath that is here today and gone tomorrow. Don't sorrow over the things that have no eternal value. It is so easy to get caught up in the small Matters of life and lose sight of the big picture. Don't soar over the things you cannot fix and control. And whatever sorrow you may be dealing with today, the remedy, the response, the solution is always the same: is to take your sorrow, whatever that may be, before the Lord in prayer. As the old hymn by Joseph Scriven reminds us, "Oh, what peace we often forfeit!" Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Secondly, we are to put away pain. The Hebrew word for pain is the word ra'ah, which literally means evil. One commentator writes, to put away pain or evil is essentially to put away Sin. Author Daniel Aiken writes, God has made life as a gift to be enjoyed as He designed. We run into major problems when we depart from His good design. When we choose to do marriage, relationships, food, money, and work in ways He did not intend, it leads to brokenness and pain in our lives. I don't think there's any other way to say this, except that as we just prayed this morning if there is sin in your life confess your sin and ask God for forgiveness we all need to face God daily in the mirror of his word and through the conviction of the spirit we are to put away evil by turning from our sin and in faith turn to the Lord who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So much of the Christian life is putting off and putting on. It is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. John Piper reminds us that the Christian life is one long process of crucifying those old desires and experiencing by the power of the Holy Spirit new passions and new desires. To live life in light of eternity then is to remove sorrow and put away evil. Lastly, but certainly not least, to live life in light of eternity is to remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Chapter 12, verse 1 reads, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say i have no pleasure in them the very god who calls you to rejoice in life is the same eternal god whom we have to give an account to our, of ourselves the god who requires us to remove sorrow and put away evil is also our creator who is holy and worthy of all honor, praise, and worship. For those of you who are in your youth, and there's many of you here today, this appeal is aimed directly at you. Actually, for that matter, most of this passage is focused on youth, although it also reaches all ages. And for you, youth, it may be the best counsel you can ever receive on living life for eternity. For those of you who mark your Bibles, you may want to underline this verse or highlight it, put it on your daily reminder in your phone on a sticky note. It may be the best counsel you can receive on this side of eternity. When Solomon uses the word remember, you are not merely being instructed to reflect on who God is, To remember your Creator in the days of your youth also implies a call to action based on your reflection on who God is and what He has done. Walter Kaiser reminds us that when the Lord remembered Hannah, He acted decisively on her behalf and she was able to conceive. To remember your Creator in the days of your youth is not only to recall to mind, dear friends, but it's a call to action, to live for His glory. And should we live many years, the process of aging and death awaits us all. And in one long breath, Solomon gives us an amazing allegoric picture of what aging and death look like in Ecclesiastes 12, verses twelve to 2 to 8. I don't normally read or include the New Living Translation in my study, but for the purpose of understanding this allegory, I'd like to read from the NLT translation, which I think is very helpful, just to unpack what this allegory is saying. Chapter 12, verse 2 says, Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes, and the rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding, and before your eyes, the woman looking through the window see dimly, Remember Him before the door to life's opportunity is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will go faint. Remember Him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy, like a dying grasshopper and the caper berry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your Creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. You'll note uh, in verse eight, Hebel in the NLT is translated as meaningless. And as we have learned through this series, Hebel is better translated as breath, vapor, or even smoke. Because in Christ, life does have meaning and purpose. And Hebel points us, as we learned in the very first sermon of this series, to the glory beyond this scope of life. Life being a mere breath helps us to live with eternity in view. But I think the NLT helps to illustrate in contemporary language the meaning of Solomon's imagery of death and dying in verses 2-7. to A sober look at the reality of aging, death, and having to face God actually helps us to put life into proper perspective and order. One way to prepare for the future is to resolve for living for Christ today. Living light in eternity is to remember your Creator in the days of your youth. It is a call to action based on who God is, and what He has done for you. Long before he was a leader in the Great American uh, Awakening, a pastor in Northampton, Massachusetts, a missionary to the indigenous peoples, and president of what would become Princeton University, Jonathan Edwards was a youth who wanted to follow Jesus. And to help us in our pursuit of remembering God on a daily basis, I would like to use Edwards as an example by using three resolutions as a daily guide. Number one, resolve to rejoice and enjoy life as God has intended for you. As one author put it, the Christian life is all about abundant joy because it's all about delighting in God. To live for your Creator is where you'll find your greatest joy because He is the source of all joy. Unbreakable and lasting joy is not found in the entertainment industry or in the fleeting social media dominated culture. And that's not to say that all those things are altogether bad. They can be used in God-honoring ways. But this is to say that true joy is found in the internal sovereign God in Christ alone. Number two, resolve to live each day for the glory of God. Begin simply by admitting your need for Him on a daily basis. Begin simply by trusting in Him and rest nowhere on Him but his unchanging character as revealed in Scripture. To make life count is to die to ourselves and live to Christ. See the big picture. For many in this world, this life is all that there is. People, as it were, are grasping after the wind to get all they can while they can. Eat, drink, be merry, tomorrow we die. But if you are a Christ follower, you know that this life is not all that there is. The Bible says, for it has been appointed unto man to die once and then the judgment. Living to God's glory is to know Him, treasure Him, and offer Him to this world. As Pastor Dan mentioned earlier, Look for ways and opportunities to share about the hope of salvation through Christ. Serve God by serving others here in the the church. Number three, resolve to fear God and keep His commandments. Next Sunday we'll be expanding much more on this, but I'd like just to say a few words about this, particularly on how to fear God and keep His commandments. Well, it begins with obedience. Obey Him and let His Word be written on your heart. Memorize the scriptures. Immerse yourself in the Bible, even when you don't feel like it. And ask God to grant you understanding. Renew your minds daily in His Word, so that His wish will be your wish. So that His desire will be will be your desire, so that His will will be your will. Now of course these resolutions can solely be accomplished by the sufficiency of God's grace and the power of His Spirit. Jonathan Edwards was married to Sarah Edwards for 30 years and had 12 children. While he was president at the College of New Jersey, which is now Princeton, the little town of Princeton was in the midst of a smallpox uh, epidemic. And for preventative measures, Edwards uh, received what is called an inoculation, which today we know as a vaccination. The inoculation, however, resulted in an infection, and on March 22nd, 1758, Edwards died at the age of 55. Now, to be sure, Edwards uh, was a man who had his blind spots. He had his share of failures, and we're not to exalt anyone, for Christ is our only perfect example. But I do want to emphasize that Edwards did live a life um, that's worthy of imitation. Edwards resolved to live a life that counts. And his commitment to live for Christ and to take seriously his faith as a youth shaped his entire life. A prayer that has often been attributed to Edwards is, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. May this be our prayer. Now, everything I said today was in the context of knowing God. So my question to you today is, do you know him who is creator of all living things and is holy? As Laura's story song sings, do you know the indescribable, uncontainable God who has placed the stars in the sky and knows them by name? Do you know Jesus Christ, whom all things were created through Him and for Him? In light of God's holy standards, the Bible declares that we've all fallen short of His glory. As our denomination's book, Gospel Truths, declares, the good news for you is that you can be rescued, reconciled, restored through God's gracious work in Christ Jesus. As truly man, Jesus not only sympathized with our weaknesses, but he died on the cross as our substitute, the righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the unjust, his life for our life. As light of life, very God of very God, begotten, not made, Jesus had the power to bear our sins and conquer death through His resurrection. As God, He was the perfect sacrifice. And if you don't know Him, I urge you to come to Him in genuine repentance and faith in Christ for salvation. And if you want to know more about what that looks like and you want to discuss that, I just want to invite you to speak with Pastor Dan after today's service but if you are a Christ follower which I know many of you are today remember that you were created to glorify God and enjoy Him forever the Bible declares that you are not your own but you were bought with a price if you've slidden come back to Him Treasure Him. Delight in Him. Love Him. Live life in light of eternity. By rejoicing in life while remembering that one day you'll give an account to God. By that daily act of putting away, uh, removing sorrow and putting away evil. And especially by remembering your Creator in the days of your youth. Stay with Edwards this morning, Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Let's pray. Uh, Our dear, gracious and uh, heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that um, we have been justified by grace alone, by faith alone. And as for this uh, Christian life, the life of sanctification, um, your word declares that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling while remembering that you are doing the working in and through us for your glory. Father, I pray for the youth uh, in our congregation. Uh, I pray just for an awakening of hearts and minds that would be inclined to live for you and remember you daily, all the days of their life. I pray for the youth leaders who have taken up the task of discipling our youth and young ones. I pray that you would continually strengthen them, equip them uh, by your grace and the power of your spirit. And to the church, I pray that no matter where we are, what our age is, that remembering you would be a daily walk. And I pray that um, as we do this, that others would know that we are your disciples and that they too may have life in your name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his perfect peace. It is in the name which is above every name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.